Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, Amir Ryder here at the Transform Sales Podcast. Jeff Harsh, got my friend, CEO and founder of Concept Sales. How's it going, man? It's going good. How you doing? I added sales to man. I think it's just concepts, but I know you do sales, so I added concept sales. But is it concept or concept sales? That, that sounds good. Concept services is actually, and then we just shrunk it down to concept. I like sales. Yeah. I'm just joking, but That's but awesome. it was good meeting. I, I I met you a year ago. I think I met you a year ago talking about our pivot, how we're changing. Um, we kind of connected back then, and a year has passed by. I've heard amazing things about you guys, what you guys have been doing. I definitely want to contact your jacket provider because it's freaking awesome, and I need I need to get a nice little puppy vest like that with podcasts on it. Well, we're up here in Ohio, not in Columbia, like you. You know, it's like chilly up here. It's like a fall day. No, you know, it gets chilly here. It gets 62. Like sometimes we hit 62. Sometimes. I think we're at like 40. Yeah, we're at like 40. We're 62 right now. to 78 every day. Every day. But when it rains, let me tell you, it, it rains. It, it, it rains a lot here. So um, <laughs> we'll get you to come down here soon whenever you're ready to visit us during our, during our conference. But appreciate you taking time to do the show. Um, the idea behind our show, especially these episodes, are to let either buyers or first time buyers of sales services or You've probably heard this before. I tried outsourcing. It didn't work, right? Or people who've tried it before, it didn't work. They go back to hiring internal teams. It didn't work a lot worse. Trust me, it's probably more expensive there, but they don't talk about that. Then they come back already, you know, skeptical. Um, or just people listening who want to outsource the first time. The idea is that, that just talking through honest mistakes that buyers make and, and what people, what decisions they make right. Hopefully the idea is they can hear this, learn from this, and have a better buying experience. So uh, we'd love to start it off maybe just kind of telling people about yourself and how you got into outdoor sales to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually I gotta, I gotta correct you. So, um, actually in president here at concept, the company was actually started back in 2002 by my father. So he was the founder of, of concept. I'm president now. Uh, I've been here for 13 years, but he started back in 2002 and, uh, Basically, the whole concept behind concept services for us was uh, you need to separate new business development, lead generation, prospecting from like the rest of the sales process, like not account management. This is before, not... this is before the whole predictable revenue days, right? Oh, yeah. This is, this is back in 2002. This was like when the idea of cold calling, it was cold calling. Sales dev wasn't even a term yeah. at that point. You know, there were no sales development representatives and that type of thing then. But yeah, my, uh, so it's, it's been family business, been around it, even though I've been working in it for 13 years, started out of the basement of my house growing up by my dad. So been in the lead gen world for about 20 years. Um, yeah. And so basically the way we got started or he started, it was, he came from custom software. Well, he made, he that made you custom. by the way. So it's like, you guys are kind of like, you know share you you share dna this yeah, is a natural true. progression this is a natural progression to yeah. you know my, my father had a uh a business a machinery business that my my middle brother took over but my middle brother was was you working his butt off every day in the garage in the office getting his hands on so i appreciate you giving a shout out to the old man but you know you guys he, he led the torch for you to take it to the next level absolutely so that's a, that's a task at hand but yeah he came 
started in software. That's where we got our start. Basically, the idea was he had a bunch of salespeople that were good in front of customers, but didn't like making cold calls. Who likes working hard so these days? To... Nobody likes work. The whole is cold calling dead thing was, from my opinion, it was just like people who didn't want to work hard, right? They're like, if we say cold calling is dead, people are going to ask us to work hard. It's like work avoidance at its finest. Let's convince the world that cold calling is dead. It's hilarious. Because we're so busy taking care of our customers that I just don't have time to be able to go out and do new prospecting, right? I got all these customers that just need a bunch of help. No, but that's that's pretty much how it started. And then Concept was formed. And uh, so, yeah, I guess you could say it's family business. I've been in it since the very beginning. I love, I love hearing that. I know you guys are super niched out. We'll get into that later. Tell me about the mistakes that buyers make when they when they land on your homepage, they book a time with Jeff Harsh, they're speaking to you, they haven't decided who they're gonna hire. What comes to mind? What mistakes are they making? Man, I I tried to consolidate my list. I know that sounds bad, but I tried to consolidate a list down just as I was like uh, thinking through some of this. Doesn't, and I feel like the industry's taking- Doesn't sound bad. It's, it's why we're yeah. here. No, I just, I, I feel like the industry's taking a little bit of a shift. Um, and I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but I think it's probably important to note, like as I'm like sharing some of the mistakes, um, a lot of the industries that we're playing in at concept and like generate new business for are for like, I hate it's going to sound bad, but it's almost like uh, maybe older school mindsets and older school sales processes. It shouldn't sound bad though. This is uh, like, this is like normal innovation, right? Sometimes we're afraid to talk about it. That's cheaper, more efficient. This is everything in the freaking world, right? But sometimes we're hard, we're hard to say it. So keep going. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's good. Yeah. So I feel like it's a, uh, uh, a lot of the problem that we're running into, I feel like some of the mistakes that uh, that we run into is they go and they're thinking about bringing on a lead gen agency and comparing it with like an outside field. Yeah. Rep. Like the debate is, do I need more leads or should I just get another rep in territory? And I feel like that's um, not even really comparing the same thing there. Those are like two completely separate strategies and philosophies. So, so, so they come into um, a buying cycle comparing apples to oranges yeah uh, they the reality is they're coming to they're exploring lead generation because they want to grow their business that's the that's the reality they want to grow the business but then and they get to the point where they explore lead generation and then what ends up happening is they it almost seems like they're reverting back to the model the process the the methodologies that got them to the point where they want to start, they need to generate more business. If that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Change is hard for people. They know they want more business, but they're, they're oftentimes afraid to take the advice from the professionals. Right. And they're afraid to change, even though they're probably asking their own customers to do the same thing. Right. Most of the times it's faster, cheaper, more efficient, their product. Uh, I've had, I've had, I've had software, software leaders tell me I don't outsource for years. And I'm like, yo, SaaS is outsourcing is it don't buy your don't build your own software but rent mine and they're like we don't outsource i'm like but you want to tell your customers to go buy your software right so they're they're not they're they're selling differently the way they buy do you and it's also you know what i found too is that people sometimes they're profitable right you're a profitable company hard to change right do you find that some of your buyers come to you where they know they need more sales but they're profitable so they're just they're afraid to do what it takes to change anything because they're profitable? Do you think that ever weighs in on their decision-making? Oh, absolutely. 
Um, I think I think what's also interesting is obviously just like um, the economy, where the market is, plays such a huge role in that. If the market's up, they are uh, not wanting to change to take advantage of the market. If the market's down, they're fearful to make a change right now because they're trying to keep they're trying not to do too, something too irrational or different or you know shake things up for fear of you know, losing something or, you know, whatever the case is not evolving. That makes sense. So basically what you're recommending to is try an outsource sales program when you guys in good time, so you can build out the math, build out the, build out its success and have it as a lever for revenue versus you're now in a downward fear cycle and you make no decision, which is logical to me. Right. Um, yeah. Two plus two equals no, four. Absolutely. People forget that. So if your sales team is doing two and concepts doing two, you have four, right? It is not this or that. And there's a weird notion out in the um, sales world where it's like, oh, I want to work in an outsourced sales company for a couple months, get going, and then hire internally. I'm, and I, I listen to these people. I'm like, well, it's a math game, right? So it's like if you hit $5 million in revenue in year one and you had to open $20 million in pipeline, potentially to hit $10 million the next year, you might have to open $60 million in pipeline, exponential, right? It's like this tree back yeah. here. The low-hanging fruit's gone, and you got to dig a little deeper. So people are hiring the wrong way, right? And they're planning the wrong way and they're, and they're buying out of fear. Um, what else comes to mind? I know you have a lot. Yeah, no, another one, that, the, another one that came to mind is I feel like when they, um, as they're going through like the analysis of, you know, I need X amount of leads. Like I did some quick math and based on our conversion rate, um, if I can get X amount of leads, that should get me to where I need to be. I feel like one of the big, maybe misconceptions or misses is a lot of times when they're going through and doing that evaluation, their close rate is based on existing customers reaching out and asking them for something new. They're uh, basing it off of a referral that they got from one of their good customers. And then they contrast that close rate against a net new business development opportunity and are You use the wrong word though. Surprised. You use the wrong word. You said, I think. What's but it's it? not, I think. It's I know. And I'll back you up on that. Yeah. They are. They see all sales the same, right? I've had somebody say, when we had an agency we matched with, they were performing maybe 15 meetings per month. They were like, hey, our internal reps are getting 30. I knew right off the bat. Like, I'm long enough in this business to know, like, you know, like when I know BS, right? And it's not actual BS. Like, it's, like, it's, it's more BS, like, you don't even know what's going on. I dig deeper. They're all people that fill out a form that says request demo. They are comparing people that are coming to the website saying request demo with you cold calling a stranger. And it hurts their, it hurts yeah. their bottom line, right? So would you say that that's like a lack, of, a lack of business development understanding or is it a bad buying behavior that stems from something else? Um, I think it might be a little bit of both. Um, I definitely feel like... Um, I definitely feel like a quick qualifier to figure that out. Have you ever done any cold calling before? Like from from your experience, when you do cold calling, how how many are you able to generate from there just as an apples to apples comparison? But um, uh, I also think that's just the way people want to buy right now. Like they want to buy a sales dev partner, or at least ideally they're looking to buy a sales dev partner as if it's like a... Uh, vending machine type of situation. Like if I put in a quarter, my expectation is to get out $5 or, you know, that type of experience. But I really feel like um, it, it, it just doesn't necessarily always work that way. But it can, 
but not always, right? And and most of the time, not always, right? Most of the time, when that's the case, that's you're talking IPO, publicly traded companies. They're like Jeff, you do this A B C D, we'll get E. They know, you know, they know the math down. And even that they got problems too, but at least they have the math down, right? Um, do you do you feel that buyers these days are? Do you think that buyers are actually doing the research before? Is is it? Do you find buyers that are like part of communities? They're part of groups. They're learning. Or are they just searching on the internet? I got a problem. I need more revenue and buying. Um, probably more the latter. From from what I'm seeing, more the latter for sure. Um, I think I think a lot of times the uh, people that are looking for lead generation as a result of. I, I just need more business. So what's the answer to that? The quick step or the initial response is, I think we need to get more leads in the pipeline. Do, Let's go start looking for a lead gen part or a biz dev part. Do you feel that one of the one of the consequences of that buying mentality in our industry as a whole is that leaders like yourself, like I used to be in the industry, are it's hard to tell people the truth because you almost insult them and then they'll be like, oh, Jeff, like, you tell them the truth and then they find somebody else who lies to them and this perpetual cycle of I tried outsourcing doesn't work again happens. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And that's a problem. Um, and it, yeah, it, it, it's like, you'll tell them the truth. Someone else will say yes. They'll burn the money and then say, and they'll group everybody together, right? They'll group it together. They won't, they won't go back to, to, to concept and write a little review and be like, I didn't hire concept, but he had everything he told me was true. You know? Yeah. 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 No. And I, I think, I mean, I'm biased. Um, I know there's models out there that work that way, but I feel like the the pay per lead type of model creates some complexity. And I feel like there's a lot more questions to ask when working with someone that's doing a pay per lead model that often don't get stated, don't get clearly stated as to how they're getting to that pay per lead model. Yeah, well, I know many pay per lead agencies. Some of them actually, you know, incentivize people to take meetings with trees and things like that. So that they're doing what they got to do to get to get meetings. But you know, there's I've seen good and bad in them too, right? Like I've also I've seen agencies that do pay per meeting that were very expensive that didn't convert. I've seen ones that were very cheap that converted. So I've seen everything these days, right? And I think I think the big thing is yeah. just visibility into your, into your pipeline because um, at the end of the day. It's hard to do paper meeting because you have no measure of people that went to your website and visited, people that engaged and became MQLs, right? Like it, it kind of ignores a normal buying cycle, right? Because if buyers buy when they have a problem, right? And inbound is, I know I got a problem, like a kidney stones, kidney stones, you go to the Mayo Clinic, right? And then you're calling somebody, it just takes into, it, it, it totally takes, it only takes out the fact that buyers buy when they're ready, right? So I, I think that on both sides of the coin, there's probably victims of, of, paper meetings that don't convert and then paper meetings that don't get paid because they're deals, but it, it's, it's happening all the time. Um, let me ask you one question about the ongoing. I think for me, when I hear about the problems, there's always the purchasing problems, right? But it really soon turns into the management problems of the, the and you, you mentioned you put a quarter in, you get a dollar out, right? Talk to me about that. Like what, what, what mistakes do buyers make when they do hire a sales agent like Concept? They are working with you. What's the next pitfall they have to be careful for? Uh, so two, two immediately come to mind. Um, the first one sounds super obvious, but honestly, it's probably one of the biggest pitfalls. Just following up on the leads. 
just like actually they pay, they go through all the work to develop a program, a process, come up with ICPs, do all the math, do all of the contracts to get the, everybody's bought into that. And then you start funneling leads over. And for the first two weeks, it's things are going. And then there's just no follow-up on the leads downstream from there. And so I know that sounds like an obvious miss, but it's surprisingly very Wait a second. Common the obvious like, miss? No, no. I'm like, if you really, if you even listen to like, if you listen to some of the, the, the biggest life coaches, like um, what's his name? Tony, Tony Robbins. They're saying the most obvious things over and over again. So it's the obvious things that lead to success, right? You know, like wake up in the morning, work, follow up with your leads. So I don't think it's, I, I think it's actually, we live in a world where the obvious things are missed, right? It's, it's like the basics are missed. Do you think this is a, this is, is this a symptom of the fact that they don't understand the difference between outbound and inbound and they don't take into account the fact that somebody who has a problem it's going to follow up with them, right? Like if I, if I need a software for event planning and my, my event is in January, I might email you 20 times to get that software. But outbound by nature is different. You're asking somebody to earn their time, to educate them. Is it, is it, is it laziness, lack of education, both? Um, I, think, I think it's both of those, but I think there's another piece, a big piece inside of there, which is um, – having a system or a process to even be able to see it happening. Like, and so the most common one that, that we come across is um, not having or effectively leveraging like a CRM tool. Isn't that crazy? Um, it's crazy to think like, I, I live in a world where like CRMs are like everywhere and everything, right? But there's, there's most of the world doesn't have CRMs. It's crazy. They don't have it. And, and so the way that that conversation typically goes is, hey, I know we sent you over, and I'm not talking necessarily with concept per se, but just like in, in the area where you don't have a CRM, it's, hey, we sent you over 10 leads, what happened with them? And the feedback is, well, I called them, wasn't able to get them on the phone, or I, you know, nothing really turned out with any of those opportunities, but there's no way to like, uh, without a CRM or a tool or process to be able to hold somebody accountable, or even just see whether or not that actually took place you're kind of just throwing leads into the abyss with no means of tracking what's happening downstream and optimizing from oh, there. Oh, 100%. I've had so many calls where people have come back to hire an outsourced sales agency and I asked them what went wrong the last time and they said, uh, we fired the agency because we didn't have an ROI and I go, why do you call me now? And they said, because a million dollar deal just came in and we tracked it. They had a CRM, we tracked it back and it was outsourced sales industry. What are, what is the right amount of touches that you recommend? Like, what have you seen? And by the way, it's different, it's different touches, right? Because there's a touch from somebody agreeing to a meeting, to booking a meeting, right? Like sometimes if people agree to a meeting and the meeting happens fast. Sometimes the, the a meeting gets agreed to, but then doesn't get booked, he gets a vacation, you have to follow up 30 times, right? Like, is there an average that you recommend for follow-up or is it just different for every instance? So just to, just to clarify, you're talking like after a meeting is booked, it gets sent over to the uh, yeah. sales team member for them to follow up on that. How many times should they be in front of them or at least try to get in front of them before they... Especially if you know they're qualified, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it varies. It's all over the board. I also feel like it depends on source um, too. You know, I feel like if it's on the inbound side, you probably, there's probably a likelihood that it's going to be a little bit easier to get them on the phone because they reached out on the first place. But I feel like on the outbound side, it's, it's, it's going to take more than one, two touches. If they don't, if they don't get back to you on one or two touches, you can't just rule that thing out. Most likely the sales 
partner that you worked with, whoever's generating the lead, put 30 touches on yeah. it over the course of the last however many months to get that done. And we spend all this time and energy. And I say we, the the partnership, spend all the time and energy to get it on the books. And then one to two touches may not necessarily get it done. So I don't know if I have a definitive answer, but there's probably a trillion dollars in pro GDP lost in follow-ups or, or bad follow-ups, right? Something like that. No doubt. It, it, I, I have a problem with following up too much. Like that's my like that's why I, I built an SDR agency and I built a marketplace. It was to like feed my disease of following up. I I remember that I used to cold call a, a place called Fisher Island. I had a supply company in Miami, and it was I cold called him for four years to the point where he was like, "Hey, man, what's up? How's it going? How you doing?" Like he was just talking to me. And it was hilarious because persistence does wear down resistance. That guy did not buy from me, by the way. Um, but it just shows you that, you know, you can really stand out by being persistent, professionally persistent, right? Um, it's not like, hey, buy now. It's like, hey, man, do you want to miss anything? Do you still need help? You know, and people will tell you a professional no. But if you don't get that professional no and you're not being professional, no, don't stop, right? There's nothing wrong with, with, with being persistent. Um, talk to me about your best buyer. They're listening on the call right now. They're, they're listening to our podcast. Who are they? What do they look like? Are they service or are they a software company? Let's start there. Um, so we work with both. Um, started off in software, still have a lot of software customers. Um, but I would say the probably about 15 years ago, uh, we ended up taking a little bit of a turn, which I feel like puts us in a little bit of a different spot than I feel like a lot of the outsourced sales agencies that are out there. Um, while it seems like the sales dev space has been like largely associated to that of like tech and software and stuff like that and more accepted in that in that space we found ourselves having a lot of success calling for manufacturers industrial companies supply chain companies equip heavy equipment dealers truck sales forklift dealers construction equipment dealers and OEMs um and I think the reason for it is uh, they're big ticket items. Um, like we're, we have, I have longstanding customers that are, are in the space that are selling big ticket supply chain solutions, big ticket equipment, half a million, million dollar pieces of equipment where the value of the leads are substantial. So that's easier, it's so more it's a clearer way of seeing our ROI, right? Well, yeah, you get a, you get a deal that comes over and in contrast to maybe some uh, smaller ticket software stuff, it could be a million dollar deal that comes through from a single piece of equipment. It's worth the continued outreach, the continued to pursue or pursue into those spaces because the, the deal values are so large. Um, so I would say we we ended up going more in that direction. We work with a lot of manufacturers, um, a lot of people inside of that space. Um, I would say uh, another ideal scenario for us in terms of customers. So we're a Salesforce consulting partner and a HubSpot consulting partner. We're actually a Diamond HubSpot consulting partner, which would put us in, I think the last time we looked, it's like the top 3% of partners in the world are Diamond. Um, so we're super proud about it. And I, I, need, like I, need, the, some, I need some, company, I need some HubSpot help, by the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up after that. Yeah. Uh, well, we should talk. We should talk. But I, uh, uh, so I feel like a big a big fit for us that makes them also a very good uh, client for us is someone who believes in CRM. They see the value in making sure their CRM is a resource for them. And preferably if they're in Salesforce or HubSpot, a lot of our clients, we actually work 
live out of their Salesforce or HubSpot CRM so that our process actually is like embedded into their system. Not only the leads, but all the data that we get from our calling efforts. And I put that down as one of the other big mistakes that I often will see is just not valuing the non-appointment data oh, from a partnership. That's so, like it's this. market validation. People, that's everything. People like your product. They do not like your product. They like your messaging. That's so much value in that. They see no, it's not that they don't, it's that they, they think it's helping them to turn a blind eye. You know what I mean? Like somehow they're going to benefit from being like, none of this has value, which really does because there's trillions of dollars of companies that, that play in that space of awareness, consideration, decision, right? And then all of a sudden there's like, People, they hire an agent like yours and it, it, people skip all those steps, right? The buyers don't live in that step. It's just either meeting or buy, right? So, yeah, yep. I'm like, that's unfortunate. We got to educate them, right? I think it's up to us to educate them. Um, listening to who your best buyer is, it actually ties together, right? Why are you guys the top providers with HubSpot and Salesforce? It's because your niche where you help these industrial companies that are selling big ticket items, they've been around 50, 60 years. They're the most likely not to have CRMs. They're the most likely to have a CRM and have a failed implementation, right? Some of these guys have a Salesforce, have a Salesforce, they're using it well. So it's like, now it makes sense, right? Because I, I could imagine that if I am an industrial, because we did, you know, when we were a service company, which we're not, we worked with a company called Rubima, and they did maybe 50 million a year in revenue. And we worked with them for two years, and their account executives had one to two follow-ups, and they wouldn't fire their account executives because... We told, we, we didn't tell the fire them. We're just like, we're like, this is very not normal, right? Like they should call two times, more than two times, right? And one thing that I would say consistent about those companies is that they have a great product, they got product market fit, and they're usually going to have a hole in their system. And it makes sense because if you're coming in to make meetings and you're coming in to join a pipeline, you're actually in a very good position to lay the foundation for what they need to do to get virtual work done anywhere in the world. And for you to work. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I could imagine that 85% of those people are in that situation. What's super fascinating too is the industries as a whole tend to be like that. Like either I have a CRM, but no one uses it. And, you know, we had one, we don't like it, or, you know, we're not, um, we're not an interesting explorer. But because the industry for the most part as a whole is like that, for those that take advantage of it and actually use it, it creates this crazy competitive advantage. Like if everybody else is working off like little black books, right? And that's like the industry standard. And then you get uh, someone in the footprint that's actually, or in the territory that's actually leveraging data, leveraging marketing automation, leveraging like Intel strategically for outreach and like ABM and stuff like that it makes such a huge difference in like the buyer experience. You can see it clear as day who's leveraging that and who's not. So I feel like there's such a Look, huge opportunity out there. I, I think to, there to is. Start I think there is. I know there is. I tried helping medical device industry when I was, um, you know, for years back at service company, they just weren't ready for it. So I'm, I'm glad that, that you're filling that niche because I, it like, you know, everybody's chasing the software companies. They're sexy. They raise whatever, blah, blah. But like, we forget about these companies that are profitable. They're owned by private equity. They're generating millions in revenue, right? They're, they're the ones that often need the help the most, but they're neglected because they need education. So people go right to the software companies. So for me, I understand your, your buyer persona very well because there's just a big hole for you to fill, right? You're coming in like, like you can be very successful. Everything's all good. You make your meetings, you get your ROI. That's great, right? But you're coming in, you're able to actually help transform these companies. It's almost a, a sales transformation. 
essentially, yeah. plus meetings. And, and I, I think that that, I think it's like the, the most exciting part about working in the space sometimes can be some of the more frustrating part about working in the space. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, and I know this sounds weird, but generating leads seems like that's more of the easy, easier part of the process. I know that sounds yeah. odd. Like that doesn't seem like that's the, that's the tricky part. The tricky part is um, getting a process that's closed loop being able to track it throughout your whole entire system so that you can optimize downstream from there to keep getting better so that you can generate more leads for less downstream. You can focus your time and energy on deals that are actually closing. Um, make sure that your follow-up is tight um, and that there's so much uh, efficiencies to be had in that part of the process versus just constantly looking to increase the top of the funnel and just keep Increase top of the funnel. Oh, that didn't, that doesn't have an I might look. Increase the top of the funnel. Yeah. There's, there's gone chorus. There's all these billion dollar companies of, of listening to meetings and, and, and no one's really using them, but they're still billion dollar companies. You, if you take a 10% conversion rate to a 20% conversion rate, it is the same thing as getting 10 meetings to 20 meetings. But we're not talking about that, right? So if you work with a concept, you have the ability now to focus on your closing ratios. And that's money. That's generating money and valuation. Uh, and there, there's there's so many tools out there now for helping improve closing cycles, being consultative sales, right? So so it's, it's like you're right. The hard part is not general meetings. Sometimes it's, it's actually who's taking the meetings, what are they saying, are they asking the right questions, right? Um, and then sometimes you don't have control of that, right? For now, no. For now, until you expand the concept of closing. Yeah, man, I. Uh... Well, that that's what took us down the CRM path in the first place was just Fixing like problems okay, have. so yeah, I, you you send over all these leads, and the question is just like, well, I'm not quite sure what happened with them all. If I'm being honest, okay, well, we need to get something in place to be able to track this. Let's start talking about CRM and Salesforce and HubSpot. You know, to us, those feel like the best in breed. Do we feel like those are the I'll, start, I'll, I'll, uh, and, I'll stamp that in my opinion too. Yeah, so we, we went down that path and we've been doing it for 10 years, but it was really the result of trying to figure out how to help companies improve the downstream process as much as it is generating more opportunities. Makes sense. Well, look, I'm looking forward to, to, to helping the right buyers find you. Um, if people do not go through our marketplace and they're listening to this podcast, where can they find you? How can they contact you directly? Are, what's the best channel for Jeff Harsh? LinkedIn, website? Yeah, you can find me on yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, that's usually the best place to go. Um, Jeff Harsh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, it's Jeff Harsh CS. And then uh, also you can give me by email, jharsh, H-A-R-S-H, at conceptltd.com. Jeff, you're the man. I'm gonna. I'm probably going to proactively reach out to some people in your space because I, I, I actually admire who you're helping and how you're helping because it, 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 like it, it affects me knowing that these companies have so much left on the table. So like I know, now I know who you're helping and how you're helping. So I'm, I'm probably gonna get my hands down and dirty and do some outbound and, and, and contribute to you. Um, it motivates me. I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm an SDR for you now, right? I'm, I'm running a marketplace. So I'm, I'm, I'm dishing out the best fit. So I'm, I feel like I'm an SDR for the SDRs and I love people who actually care about the customers. Uh, and I like agencies that actually, you know, go above and beyond what you guys are doing because you're literally building out more products to serve the problems that you find in your niche, which is, which is unique. Um, Appreciate you being on the show, man. This has been great. And I, and I hope to have you back on talking about some other subjects and, and topics later on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Always good catching up and appreciate uh appreciate you. Likewise. Everybody, Transform Sales Podcast. You can find me LinkedIn, Instagram, everywhere. I'm your writer, you just put my name, A M I R R E I T E R. It's the good thing about no having no one else has your name. Easy to find and easy to reach. Jeff, thank you, man. Take care. Yep, thank you.